I'm really fun racing. I'm not superstitious, but I'm I am a little stitious. It ain't about that. I mean, you can't get out of a plane. I mean, people I don't think were meant to fly. I mean, and, and, and if people were meant to fly. They'd have wings. <laughs> people don't have. But then again, I mean, what do you think about? I'm sorry. Well, turkeys have wings and they don't fly either. Well, but that's a good point. They do taste good. I mean, They're it, very tasty. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, anything with wings pretty much is a pretty tasty treat. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if I could, uh, uh, what? If I could, right. what I would do is. is is, is put wings on a cow, and that would be like a flying burger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there you go. Again. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, now, do you mind if I ask you a couple of football questions? Uh, uh, and I, I watch uh, the game, and I don't pretend to understand it, but I enjoy it. But same, same thing with me. On the back stretch, it is Mellon and Richardson. We have a race going here. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Cedar Sphere Podcast. Sort of feel like we just kind of threw some random clips together there. I, we were trying to build our our niche around having exciting sound clips and being, you know, cutting edge when it comes to media production. And I just feel like we dropped the ball here. But I almost was going to just start the show with just the first clip, not really prepared, because that's sort of what we're doing right now. We have so much going on here in the Cedar Sphere Podcast studios that uh, show prep hasn't been uh, as organized, we'll say, as it, as it has in the past. But uh, we just feel like we, we need to continue getting content churned out. We need to keep, keep plugging along even when the situation is not ideal. And that's what we're trying to do here. So uh, thank you for joining us here on an episode of beautiful November 21st morning. It's... Thanksgiving break for many of us and the skiers out there who are starting to get their training uh, going this week. Right? Well, I shouldn't say get it going, but this is kind of that peak, traditionally highest volume week where you can just focus on on eating and training, basically, and, and prioritizing one over the other. And uh, you know, we'll leave it up to you what you want to do. But across the country, there's people gathered in West Yellowstone, people up in Northeast, the northeast part of our country, possibly up in Foray, Montmorency, in Canada. We've got people gathered in Crested Butte and Aspen. And uh, we just finished up a three day cycling training camp. And by we, I mean myself, uh, the Cedar Skier Podcast factory team. <clears throat> well, the reason for that was the snow really wasn't cooperating. And it was that kind of weather, and, and I feel like a lot of people are feeling this, where there's no snow, but it's kind of too cold. And even in, in Leadville, it was, you know, 35 to 40 degrees. I'm just, uh, let's, it was worth driving an hour and a half to Golden to be, have it be 55. And man, just perfect sun. Perfect sun, no wind. Uh, I got three straight days, some huge rides. Uh, it was a good way to just kind of decompress and start the the vacation i'm really thankful that i have my wife christy to 
allow me to kind of just have a little mancation, the sprinter van and me and my books and my bike. And that's kind of all that happened. I mean, it was like just monastic training life. Uh, we did a four-hour ride on Friday, Saturday afternoon. So that's when I left was Saturday. Got to Golden, went on a ride until dark, hit um, hit up Lookout Mountain and Gionicio Mountain. I don't know how you say that peak, but <clears throat> all the peaks kind of right in that area. Did that climb, did some Golden Roads, which was really fun. Got about three and a half or four hours in on, a, on the bike that day, then drove to Broomfield and got some food. Called Christy, read my book, went to bed. Next morning, woke up, coffee and Bible study, and then <clears throat> back on the saddle at 9.15. <clears throat> and since it was Sunday, um, I spent <clears> – sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. I spent most of that ride listening to uh, sermons <clears throat> and um, trying to catch up, actually, on a couple of sermon series with – out of Roswell, New Mexico. <clears throat> of course, our church family here in Leadville is phenomenal, and so I'm I'm also uh, keeping tabs on the sermon series that Pastor uh, Tanner is uh, bringing to our fam- our church family. And then also, I kind of listen to Colin Brooks, our old pastor in Alamosa. He has been doing a great study on Galatians, so I was listening through to some of the old sermons there. And uh, it's kind of nice when you have a really good sermon, about 35, 45 minutes. It's kind of perfect. You, you do that, and then when you're done, you, you, you get a sip of water or whatever, and you, you just plug in another one. So that's kind of how that ride went. It was uh, just a lot, of, a lot of listening to the preaching and the word. But then the second half of the ride, I did hop into a Ben Shapiro episode, just to get myself caught back up into the world, right? And a sports episode, too. And I thought it was crazy because... Before I left, we did our show on Friday about, or Saturday, Saturday morning was our show where I kind of just mentioned that Abigail Schreier had been on with Joe Rogan. And, and that was a, that was a few months ago, I think, like Feb March or I don't know. It was a while ago, like maybe right at the beginning of the pandemic or even before it. But he, she was on Shapiro's show just like this last Sunday and the Sunday special. And if you're going to choose between the, the three, like hearing me talk about Abigail Schreier, listening to, Be- to Joe Rogan, or listening to Shapiro, I, I recommend listening to the Shapiro one. Um, so that was really cool to, to kind of – they went over the topics really quick. It's about an hour episode. Everyone should listen to that. Um, and, and just note that Abigail Schreier is not a believer – and her worldview is not one that like we would have around the skiologians and, and everything would just jive. It, there w- there are some serious holes, but the reason I, I do think everyone should listen to it is because it's really data-driven. The discussion was really data-driven, and it's just interesting. And she's kind of coming from this place, like, look, in every every place in the medical profession, we as we, doctors act like doctors, meaning they are careful, they think through things, they are patient in their in looking over data and considering the consequences and the repercussions except for one area and it's when we're transitioning they just they allow anyone can just go without parental consent or without anything to get drugs that are going to permanently alter the body we don't know the side effects uh, permanently we do know some of the devastating effects initially and and yet a, a very young person a minor can choose to do that to themselves without any consent or anything 
and how strange that is and how her point of view is I really care about these transgender folks and I, I think this is actually we're doing them a massive disservice that's very unsafe. So anyway, if you want to listen to that, that's that was a good episode. But any, uh, what I was going to say was, yeah, uh, today the, on the show, we're going to talk about some sports. We're going to talk about some training topics. And uh, I think we're going to have a, a pretty full show, to be honest. I mean, I'm just going to kind of reel through things. Because, again, we're, we're, we are just kind of winging it, show prep a little bit a little bit weak. I'm concerned. My show prep was also done while training this time, right? I, I often listen to material, but then I'll come back and organize my thoughts. And this weekend it was just listening, and now I'm just click and record, and we're live, and we're local here on Shovel Lake Public Radio, the Cedar Skier Podcast. So the the yesterday on our the six-hour ride I did, so three straight days in a row of some good cycling. Now we have snow here in Leadville, so hopefully we can get on, on snow. But I also listened to the Let's Run podcast, tried to catch up, three straight episodes there so there's some news from that i'd like to get to um and um we'll talk about the vikings and the wolves as well on today's show so thank you for joining us this morning cedar skier podcast i'll see you right after the break move your hips to your hey ryan cedarquist here Cedar Skier Podcast is brought to you by Malto Meal. Malto Meal is what I use when I have big training weeks. It fuels me up. It's healthy. And it's a local business right out of Northfield, Minnesota. Malto Meal is the whole wheat hot breakfast that you should be feeding yourself and your family. We're also brought to you by the Shovel Lake City Chamber of Commerce, supporting local businesses in northern Minnesota since 1879. Shovel Lake Chamber of Commerce, if you've got a great idea, let them know. One of the great ideas that they are supporting is Skiologians and the Cedar Skier Podcast and the Cedar Skier Podcast Factory Team. Shovel Lake Area City Chamber of Commerce, you can get a Cedar Skier mug if you want one. They're for sale on our website, I think, right, Ralph? Anyway, we got some new apparel coming as well, so keep, keep yourself posted or stay posted on that. All right. Uh, this year's gear podcast is all to you, also brought to you by snow. Snow. Is that is that a misprint? We're brought to you by an, really. Wow. All right. Here we are back on the Cedar Skier podcast. Let's get it rolling here. We really need to work on our sponsorships. I think. Okay, so first one uh, topic we're going to get to, we're going to talk about the Let's Run.com podcast, some news that I heard on there. First of all, Ken Go retired. Ken Go was the 40-year track beat uh, track beat reporter for 40 years at the Oregonian, uh, came into his job as a baseball guy. So that's kind of interesting, uh, and he ret- retired after 40 years. What a fun career, you know? Um, and I, I know Ken Go uh, as a... As a writer, mostly from reading some of the links to his articles that showed up on Let's Run. But, I mean, basically you're looking at one of the last track beat reporters at a major newspaper in the nation. Um, And so he was on their show. They interviewed him. They asked him some questions. Uh, I've always enjoyed writing or reading his writing. And he's kind of one of the lone guys who would have access to athletes like Galen Rupp or Alberto Salazar, athletes that are typically a little more – you know, playing th- playing the cards close to the chest, so to speak, and so um, 
will miss his investigative journalism. I'm interested to see who kind of will fill that role now or if they just kind of eliminate it. But the, the point I thought that was interesting with Ken on the interview was that he mentioned coming into the job, the position as a baseball guy, not really knowing anything about track and how often, he, in his words, he said that there were some embarrassing moments for him. And that that was interesting, um, kind of relating it to, you know, in, in my short life here, I've had like six different jobs and, and always feeling like it, everything's so new and you're just overwhelmed trying to figure things out. And I can't really even imagine at this point what it would be like to be like in your fifth year in the same job. And that's when that, it, when, or if that ever happens to me, it's going to just, I'm not even gonna know what to do with my time. Cause I'm assuming I, I don't even know what I'll be doing, right? Like <laughs> right now I'm always feeling like just trying to keep my head above water. That's sort of been life. But there's also when you are someone who is trying to do well at your job, but you don't know a lot of things, you have to be willing to ask questions and be a learner and you have to be humbled. And that is a mindset that not a lot of people really enjoy because it is scary and it's kind of demeaning sometimes to yourself and, and just embarrassing. And, and you have to sort of swallow your... Um, self-consciousness there uh, in terms of yeah just being embarrassed and putting yourself out there into generally uncomfortable positions that's really what it comes down to is eventually you just kind of realize that I have to be comfortable being uncomfortable so Ken Go made a great career out of that and uh, that's kind of the lesson I bring here to the show is can you be comfortable being uncomfortable in a job because and also if you are and you're willing to be a learner and just uh, keep clawing away and, and improve. You can really, you can really do almost any role. You know, um, if if a guy who's a baseball guy and didn't compete in track can become one of the best track beat reporters, right? Uh, you know, take take that for what it's worth. And and even if you're new to something, um, be willing to learn. Be willing to be uncomfortable. Be uh, a sponge when it comes to absorbing new information. Ask questions. Um, be a hungry, hungry learner and a, and a hard worker and someone who's willing to, 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 to try their very best to be the best they can be. You'll be surprised at what you're capable of doing. And um, I think if you fulfill your potential, even in things that you're not supremely gifted at, it's amazing what the human body, how it responds and what you are capable of doing. There's my little lesson preaching this, the Cedar Skier podcast sermon of the day. Which definitely deserves a sip of coffee. Mm. Stevia. This show is brought to you by Stevia. The zero-calorie sweetener that's all natural. Okay. That's kind of what I brought, got from there. One thing. They talked a little bit about Alberto Salazar. Apparently there's some Alberto ban. I think I think Alberto is banned from the sport for like four years. The lot's run people keep trying to get him to come on to the show to talk about things, and I think that would be good. So, Alberto, go go on the show. There's so many different topics. What do you got to lose at this point? Um, he's not coaching any of his old athletes, so that's kind of a bummer. And um, Anyway. My thought is, yeah, it'd be, be sweet to hear Salazar get on there. And and I think a point was brought up either by Ken Go or one of the other, I think it was Ken Go, was saying he doesn't see wh- uh, sufficient evidence really for widespread systematic doping that would warrant the suspension they've given Alberto. And given our last show topic where we talked about Lance, I'm really on the fence, totally unsure of what to think uh, because, you know, I think with that Lance Armstrong case, pretty much the entire country had been fleeced and thought, 
wow, look at these people. They just keep they keep bearing down on our American hero, and he really hasn't doped. He's never failed a test. All the evidence seems to point that to him being totally clean. And lo and behold, all the evidence, the real evidence, was kind of being suppressed and hidden and just hadn't come out yet. So this investigation, I, I guess we just all have to sit and wait because – to me, that's that's where we're at is this could be like a Lance Armstrong thing where five years from now, if everything comes out and you get all the all the interviews and everything and it's confirmed and you're like, wow, Alberto Salazar was really an evil dude. Uh, but but I'm just crossing my fingers that he's actually just a really competitive, interest, interesting guy who's willing to test, you know, certain products out on his own son to see <laughs> what he can get away with, which that that stuff has been kind of validated and is true. But it's like. A lot of people that are, I guess, either neutral or on Alberto's side have said, look, some of the things he did were maybe sketchy but not cheating. And I, I'm hoping that is what it is, is is he's the kind of guy who just was looking for every single possible edge, almost like a Bill Belichick. You know, you could probably argue that Belichick isn't always ethical, but to say that he's not or to say that he's cheating, uh, perhaps, I'm, I'm not sure if we have enough Hard nose because even some of the stuff with, with him where it's like either the camera gate or the the inflated footballs like they they haven't really proven the inflated football thing but the camera one I was like was that a rule before <laughs> he's like hey we could do this you know I feel like sometimes they have to make rules for guys like Belichick who are just like thinking so hard they're gonna do something that's kind of unethical and like really but I don't know. I'm not an expert on that, so if you're if you've been studying New England Patriots football and you have a different take, I apologize for offending you there. So anyway, that's maybe my my spot on Alberto. They also mentioned something about Sarah Hall on the show, and I thought this was uh, worth. I wanted to say something here because here's what's going on. Sarah Hall, of course, has had an incredible career. Never been to the Olympics, but that's almost the only thing she hasn't done. You know, she won Foot Locker, then married Ryan Hall. They went to Stanford. I think she won an NCAA title, not in cross country, but in like the mile. I don't know. I, I should look at that. But she has won USA titles in every event from like the 1500 through the marathon. It's just nuts. And she's still just churning things out right now. You know, I mean, she she's she races a lot. Like she has done <clears throat> marathons, you know, two of them in a month span. Last year, she just kept running marathon after marathon after marathon. Um and it wasn't like affecting her at all. You know, her her marathon PR now is 22201 and that came from London this year when she outsprinted the world champion in the London Marathon. Um so and here I'm pulling up some of her stats. So she won four state cross country titles in California. That's just nuts. You know, that alone is crazy plus footlocker. So if she would have never done anything after high school, she could consider herself just an insane runner. She's 37 years old. Okay. She was a three three time NCAA runner up in the 5K and indoor 3K. <laughs> Seven time all American. She finished third at the cross country championship in 03, led Stanford to a team title. So she won a national championship, competed in the finals of the Olympic trials in the 5K in college. Okay, then and and she has been in the Olympic trials on the track. So basically what would that be since 2004? So 04, 08, 12, then 16 I don't think she was on the track. She did. Did she do the 10K? She may have done the 10K, but that's sort of when we saw the transition to the marathon. Um, so originally she was like world class steeplechaser and a 1500 meter runner. 
I wish this showed her full record. We can see her personal best on the mile, 430, 3K, 8.52, but all the way up to the half, a 68.18, 2.22. And just recently, so recently she did the London Marathon, you know, 2.22.01, probably the performance of the year, really, the marathon. And um, she... uh, I got, I got to bring up her USATF results because that's that's really the amazing part about Sarah Hall. But anyway, what I was saying is she did this workout where she did a full marathon in the last 13 miles. We're at like 517 pace or whatever. So some people are saying she might be, uh, you know, in sub 220 shape and she could threaten the American record in the marathon. I definitely think that is absolutely possible. Absolutely possible. Um and it would be very exciting for the sport if Sarah Hall. I would love to see Sarah Hall be the the marathon, the marathon American record holder. Now I will say that Dina Castor's two nineteen is looking everly ever more impressive as the new shoes seem to be about a minute and a half to two minute advantage. That to me is uh, almost undeba- undebatable. So for me, Sarah Hall, like it'd be cool if she could run like a two seventeen, because then you would go, you'd really have to decide like, wow, she might be better than Dina Castor. But if she breaks it by like one second, then I'm going to look at the 2006 Dina Castor two nineteen and go, that's still a more amazing time. We're seeing marathon times. The world record for women went from two sixteen down to two fourteen. Um, so I just think that's that's such a significant advantage with the shoes. So what the guys on Let's Run were saying too is, hey, how much of Sarah Hall's improvement is due to shoes? It's like guys. For the last four years, she has been churning out, again, everything from on the track to on the road to five-mile, 10-mile results, USATF cross-country championships. She runs seven, eight marathons a year and and gets in the top five on every one of them. She's consistently improving. Um, Her improvement came before... before the shoes you know like so i think i thought that was kind of a lame take it's like she's definitely just a unique runner that has had a successful career uh that's lasted 20 years you know like she has not had a point where where um she wasn't improving now she hasn't been dominating that is certainly true and that's kind of the sad part is unfortunately you know she came in miler really really good couldn't quite make the olympics started moving up in distance really really good won some usatf titles but didn't make the Olympics, you know, didn't, hasn't had a string where she's been like the 10 time 10 K champ, or like a Molly huddle or a Galen Rupp. But the cool part about Hall is she can, she, she so shows this versatility, you know, she, she has, has excelled at every distance and not a lot of runners can say that. And she's excelled at every distance for a long time without injury and at an incredible volume. Again, if you look at her results, I'm just kind of pulling up her USATF. In 2019, she won the 10-mile championships. She won the 20K championships. She won the 10K road. She she got second in the 25K road, got second in the half marathon. So she did one, two, three, four. She did five USATF distance championships in one year, 10-mile, 20K, 10K, 25K, and half. That's in addition to all of her marathons that she ran in 2019. 2018, same thing. 10 mile, won that. 10K, or 20K, one was first in that. 10K road got third. Half marathon got second. Marathon in 2017, she won. 10 mile, she won again. So I got, the 10 mile road is kind of her thing. She's won that a couple of times. She won it three times in a row. Um, so yeah, she just had a really cool, fun career. Someone who I think, I think we could definitely get behind 
uh, it, it's exciting. 37 years old. I love kind of cheering for that veteran. And, and yeah, it's just kind of cool to say. It could have 1500 meter steeplechaser, you know, 20 years after they were world-class at that transition and become the best marathon runner in our, in our country's history. Plus I think it's also interesting with Ryan, obviously her husband, his half marathon American record is looking to like one of the most insane performances ever now. And I don't think it was even probably his max, I think I think he maybe could have run a faster time. What was it, fifty nine twenty or something? But like Galen Rupp can't even get that with the super shoes. Now Rupp is a stallion secretariat compared to Ryan Hall when you look at their mile times. I mean Galen Galen has a three fifty mile. He's run eight oh seven for a two mile. He has the American record in the five k and the no the ten k not the five k but close in the five k. 2646. You know, like Rupp is the greatest American distance runner of all time, but he can't snipe that marathon, half marathon time from Ryan Hall. And that Hall was competing before the super shoes. And his, his was, his career was one of those for sure, where he caught lightning in a bottle. He had an amazing marathon potential, but he didn't have the longevity and didn't, uh, didn't maybe just didn't handle his career right to, to peak at the right time. So Hall peaked Ryan now, peaked when he was young you know really he if he would have been a little smarter maybe and had some more direction and done things differently you could argue that you know he'd be cranking out insane marathon times or maybe if he hadn't even just gone to the marathon early you know he was kind of one of those first guys who did that but I think injuries and progression those are all things in sports and in running that are a little variable it's it's really hard to predict so I don't I don't think it's fair to criticize him at all you know he went for it he chose his event he went for it as hard as he could and he, and and then he even when things were not going well and it was like clear that he had kind of messed up or was on his on the way down he kept training hard to see if he truly was on the way out and it was just kind of confirmed you know he'd always get injured his his uh, adrenal levels clearly were, were somewhat messed up. His training wasn't consistent. He just couldn't put it all together at the end of the last three years of his career, maybe in the last four years. That would have been a miserable time for Ryan Hall, to be Ryan Hall, you know, to have all those expectations and to know, man, I just can't do it. Like my, you know, he was going on runs and running five, five minute, five ten pace and, and had to adjust his stride because he was having plantar fasciitis issues and <clears throat> it would have been a frustrating career, but but you can't you can't say Hall didn't give it everything he got to see what he could do. He definitely gave it everything given his circumstance. <clears throat> was it as systematically thought out as it could have been? Maybe not. But I I think it'd be interesting to see Ryan Hall and Sarah Hall at the top of the charts. That, that's kind of crazy to think about. Okay, so that's <clears throat> a little bit from the Let's Run world. Was there anything else on that? Oh, I, here's another thing. <clears throat> this is something that's a little bit of a unique take. I think that coming into this Olympics and World Championships, they were talking a little bit about predictions, uh, men's 5K, men's 10K, women's 5K, women's 10K. And now what we saw this year without a world champ, without an Olympics, that uh, Chepta guy decided to train for the 5K world record and the 10K world record, and he got both of them. And those records were seen sort of as holy grail records. And so we could argue that was it because of the the new shoe technology and the spikes, or was it because he had the laser light pacing? Um, is that an unfair advantage? How much did that contribute? And and some people have said, well, you know, Bekele, you know, if he would have done this, he would have run under twenty six if he would have had this. Of course, that argument can be said about anyone, any athlete of any generation, and. I actually think the shoes and the pacing 
although that is a significant advantage, I think probably Bekele could have run a faster time had he not had a World Championships or an Olympics. If Bekele had had a COVID virus, I think his times would have been faster because what COVID did is shut every competition down in the whole world. The only thing these guys had to train for were these time trial performances. I just think that's a much more significant factor when you can just go, all right, here's the date. We're going to peak perfectly for this. If you get a tweak in training, you can just kind of move it. And then, you know, we're going to show up on the track and run. Like we saw this even lower low key with some of the Bowerman athletes early on in the pandemic running sub 13 and the 5k Mohamed ran a really great time. Um, so I, I think that's a pretty significant factor too. And uh, to have your whole calendar, the the clear the focal point is to chase a world record, I think is much more significant factor. Um, we saw the women's records fall too. I, I just, I think that to, to argue back and say Bekele could have run faster is a, is a totally valid argument, but it's kind of a dumb argument because it's the same thing we would always have. The, the ethicalness of the, well, hey, there's new technology. You know, this is part of the game. Um, I, I, I am a little bit, unsure though what to think because well i'll say this some people who say the light the light pacing is an, is an advantage over pacers i kind of disagree i think if you have a pacer you can draft behind you know that's more of an advantage because you're actually getting a, a mechanical aid uh to have a light that's showing you the world record pace to me you still got you still have to completely under your own power run so i i, I actually think pacers if you have good pacers that's a, a bigger advantage and Bekele had pacers, Cheptegei just had the lights. I don't know really what <clears throat> I think like is totally fair because if you think about it, like what if there was this guy who could pace, who could run, you know, 55 seconds a quarter for 5K, and so you just had all these guys alternate pacing kind of like they did in the 159 attempt. Like is that really legitimate then? I mean, uh, where do you draw the line? I don't know. These are questions that we're, that are facing running and world record chasing, but I think the shoe... I think the shoes being a topic is a little bit the same as us saying when we change track surface material, when we've had any other technological advancement. I mean, if we go back in time, I want to talk about who the best runner really, really was. You almost got to say Jim Ryan. I mean, I think Jim Ryan's times, <clears throat> for how good they were, <clears throat> what if he would have been competing today? You know, I, I, he um, he was in the 340s, wasn't he? 350? I don't know. Like, he, he would be the guy that I would say still holds up as maybe one of the all-time greatest, if not the all-time greatest. And and um, his times aren't all there, but at least for the mile. I don't know. So that's kind of a dumb argument, I think, to, to, to say Bekele, especially in terms of technology. But I will say, and if I was Bekele, I would be looking back in my career going, you know, I, I really should have just chased a world record and not cared about the championships. And I and I think on the flip side of that is, well, that's how those guys make their money. So the freedom that Cheptegei got from not having an Olympics was huge. Now he can go to the next Olympics and focus on getting golds. The people on Let's Run were saying, hey, why not try and do both? I think he can do both. Maybe. I'm not totally sure the logistics of that, what it would cost. But maybe you will see more people going, hey, I'm going to chase a world record because maybe that's going to offer me just as much of a lucrative incentive as winning a medal. Who knows? But I think in general, looking ahead to the Olympics, I'm almost as intrigued by the women's field as the men's field in 5K and 10K uh, distance running. 
And part of that's because the American contingent, and I guess I should extend down to the 15, part of that's because our American contingent is really strong, I think more relevant in some ways. We have Shelby Houlihan, we've got the Bowerman Track Girls and the Steeplechase, you know, our own Crested Butte native, can't think of her name right now, uh, the Steeplechase World Champ in 2017, 2018, uh, Emma Coburn, right? We have some really exciting athletes that could legitimately win. We also have some drama at the top with Safan Hassan, who you know won the 1500 and the 10K double, just an insane double at the last Worlds. And um, and the the Kenyan contingent, oh Helen O'Beary, uh, Faith Kip Yagon, those athletes um, <clears throat> just make it really intriguing because all of them are pretty dominant. It's a little bit like having Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James all trying to vie for the top spot. Uh, so I, I think the women's group is is very fascinating from a who really is the top dog who's going to establish themselves as the dominant figure. The men's side, it's, it is intriguing for a different reason because Mo Farah's coming back. Is he actually going to be good? I don't think he will. I just think he's too old. He's done it all. He, he can't have that. He's, he's done the double-double like five times. I mean, if he did it, it'd be really insane and kind of cool for the sport. But I think he, there's, he's just no match for um, uh, guy and Kiplimo, those two young guys uh, from Uganda. Right. I mean, now the guy is the world record holder in the 5K and the 10K and Kiplimo beat him in a half marathon. So <clears throat> I think the drama there is <clears throat> which of the Ugandans, which of the Ugandans is going to win, really? And then if a Kenyan can sneak in there and, and steal a 5K, Candy might be in there. Um, so I think there's some drama there. Uh, but, but really, in the American side, we don't have much of a threat in any of those distance races which i think is a little depressing well i guess i shouldn't say that totally we do have um uh oh who's our guy out of colorado springs that got second in the why can't i i'm blanking on his name here uh, well i mean lopez lamong is is still relevant somehow he's a little bit of the sarah hall like he's hit a second wind you know made it to the olympics in 08 as a 1500 guy he's now running a he won the 5k and the 10k uh, just incredible. But I, I don't think this is the year of breakthrough for North American uh, male distance runners really at all. So I'm not as as excited about that. Kajel, Kajelcha, Yomif Kajelcha, the Ethiopian who just kind of, he was in the, you know, the Bowerman Oregon Track Club from Ethiopia and set the world record in the indoor mile. He's tall, lanky. Just He's the Safan Hassan for, the, for male athletes. He's sort of just, he's so inconsistent it's it's like you just he should he should be holding the track world you know just at the at the just in totally in the palm of his hand and he, he just can't really seem to grasp it so i don't know where he is mentally but he's an athlete that like is just a freak of nature but isn't really <laughs> consistently delivering the results so anytime he's in a race you're like well he really shouldn't lose he's got the best kick and he's an aerobic monster you know and he, he has n- no weakness but he doesn't. He's just not always in it. So, and he's he's a guy I don't really cheer for. He just seems like he's someone who's doping. I don't know. It's just sketchy. That's maybe wrong to just say that. But he just seems like the type of athlete that if he if he ends up doing something crazy, like maybe he goes for the triple, tries to win the ten k, five k, fifteen hundred at some worlds or an Olympics, and he does it, and then we'll find out five years later that he was doping. It's just like I don't. Know. 
which that's I'll end with my track and saying that if Safan Hassan wants to do something crazy, she should definitely go for the triple. 5K, 10K, 15. People are saying maybe she should do 10K, 5K. And if she does that, she'll probably win both. And it's maybe the best for her schedule. 1500 is kind of dicey. She could do the 10K, 1500 again, but she's already done that. The 5K, 1500 is very, very dicey because of how the schedule aligns. And it's just like, you know what? Just go for all of them. In fact, I would even add the marathon to that. Just go 15, 5, 10K, last day of the Olympics, run the marathon. And in the marathon, if you're not in contention after 10 miles, just drop out. Who cares? You know, but <laughs> anything can happen in an Olympic marathon too. So you'd never know. Just if nothing else, just enjoy a nice long run at the end of the Olympics. Um, it'd be the coolest thing ever. It really would. So I think she should try and do something like that. <clears throat> okay, we're moving on now to um, ski season, ski news. The season starts this weekend. FIS, Ruka, Finland, right? So we're going to monitor those results. We can have a discussion afterwards. I, I think the broadcasting rights are a little messed up in terms of, I don't know how we're going to watch it. Probably have to watch it like, you know, two weeks later. Um, how are the Americans going to do, right? I wanted to come on here and just be that guy who gave the hot take. Like, I think the Americans are going to do awful, right? We haven't had a lot of snow here. doesn't really seem like people are focused. We're not really that good to begin with. This will be the year that it's just going to look terrible. But maybe it's the opposite. Maybe we'll come in guns a-blazing and everyone else will kind of be sitting back. This COVID year will be the year where some American really hops onto the scene. I have no idea, honestly. I kind of think it could swing either way. I feel like last year was a little bit of a disappointment in general. You know, as, as you'd read the interviews and listen to the interviews from Matt Wickham, as you'd kind of uh, Skype in or whatever, you'd hear him on Faster Skier. It just kind of seemed like, yeah, things didn't go our way. We missed the wax today. You know, it was all those different things. Oh, uh, this athlete's sick, you know, in the Holman colon, and this person dropped out. Um, <clears throat> just didn't seem like we were resilient uh, re- successful, I'll say. We, we, we gave it our best shot, no doubt. And I will commend us a lot. The Americans are tough and they fight, but, but it was like we just weren't good. And it just looked like there was this massive gap. You know, we were the little engine that, that could, but, but we couldn't. I don't know. And on the women's side, um, there wasn't really any, any, any exciting emergence at the top, but I feel like Julia Kern is kind of the, the spark, the hungriest athlete. She seems like the athlete that's the hungriest to me. Like Diggins seems kind of content with what she's done. And she brings the, I'm in a good mood. I'm out here. I'm just going to enjoy life. You know, I'm going to give it hard. I'm going to compete hard and I'm going to do everything I can. She has a, a healthy perspective, not, not, knocking that i think that's that's uh, i'm gonna be totally honest that's where i would be if i was her right if you've won the gold medal already you are the face of skiing you've got a lot of you've got your feet in a lot of other camps bringing the world cup home fighting anxiety and eating disorders on that front writing a book i mean she's doing it all right now and i just kind of feel like she doesn't have enough left to be like the type of athlete that got her where she was, where it was like win or die, right? Like that's kind of where you, I felt like she was before all this happened. And and I think like if you look at how all the close results she had before the before 2018, you could see it, right? She's she's tip of the iceberg. She's almost there. She's had some incredible things, and she just kept climbing, kept climbing, kept climbing. And then the gold medal, it was like this great release, like it's over. I've done it. You know, and the same hunger isn't really there, but, but it, you know, again, if I was her, I'd be, I'd probably be doing the same thing that she's doing, 
She's still competing hard. She's still training hard. She's not like sitting back being lazy. Not at all. And 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 honestly, she's poured her heart into different ventures away from skiing. And I think that's kind of commendable. She just doesn't seem like the same athlete because of that. She's kind of just stretched a little too thin. Um <clears throat> that that's a little bit how it appears anyway. The results kind of seem to be that way. She's not she's not on the same level of Yohog right now. And here's here's what would be cool is I actually think well, Therese Yohog might might be on a different level, but I think Jesse, Jesse Diggins is probably in that upper echelon of skiers, right? So it would be kind of interesting if at the twenty twenty two Olympics, if she kind of like resurrects her career and does something crazy, I I could see that happening still. I don't think she's done. I just think right now she's spread too thin and she's not young either, but I, I, I don't think she's so old where she's, yeah, I don't think she's over the hill. I just think she's stretched too thin kind of. Um, Bjornsson is, is probably more like veteran tail end, but she's kind of managing herself maybe a little differently and so to me she seems more reliable to to be someone who's kind of going to be in the mix every single weekend and julia kern seems like the one who's like she wants to be the next jesse diggins and she's like i'm gonna go in there and really mix it up but she's she's a little more maybe a loose cannon in terms of results right you might you might see her pop the top well she hasn't really arrived yet totally so this year i think could be the year where she proves herself as like a totally legitimate Every time she's there, she might be a top five threat. That would be cool and really good for the next wave because we kind of need someone on the women's side. I think to we have all this potential and talent, but we sort of need people to produce those results right away to let to bridge the gap from this generation that's made us relevant. We have to keep that going, so we're going to need some people who are kind of standing in the gap, kind of uh, supporting the whole program up to do that. And on the men's side, we haven't really had the shock and awe establishment yet. So we're still waiting. And maybe this is the year where, where some of these young guys burst onto the scene. It'll be interesting to see if like, will P if that does happen, will people blame it on COVID? Will they blame it on the pandemic and just the abnormalities of the year? And, Oh yeah, they're really not that good. You know, only time will tell, I guess, for, as far as that goes, but it seems to me like a golden opportunity um, in the world of all professional sports, but perhaps skiing the most in terms of, these guys, which ones have traveled, which ones have trained, which ones have been uh, mentally going, you know what, everything's different and I'm going to focus on winning and, and I bet most of my competitors are going to be distracted. Who's done that? We'll see. We, I saw Clabo got second at the at an opener to someone. It's even stuff like that where it's like, hmm, letting his guard down maybe just a little, right? Like I, <laughs> maybe it doesn't mean anything. It's an early November race. but And, and I kind of think... The cool thing about Clabo is when he was like, I he just never lost ever, and right now, it seems like his career is going to where he has that mentality of I'm never going to lose, only for classic sprints and skate sprint, like only sprint events, right? He kind of goes, no, this is my thing, I never lose. He seems a little too willing to like give up on a 10k interval start or you know some of those mass starts. Sometimes in the mass start, if he's like relevant, he'll he'll stick in there because he knows he can out sprint people. But he, it's a little bit annoying for me to watch him where he kind of just goes, oh, I guess I lost. So I'm just going to act like that event isn't really my thing. You know, um, that's why. And, and you saw that last year, I think, with the Russians just going, oh, it's not your thing. OK, well, we'll just clean up every single event other than the sprints. You know, Bolshinov did that. and He kind of took over the point lead. And 
I think if Clabo needs to like go, no, I need to be dominant in every event. And even if I lose a sprint here or there, I I need to like, I can't just sit and be just the sprinter guy. I think that's dumb. You know, like prove yourself all over. And I th- I hope that some of the Russians, like the Bolshinovs, actually beat him in a sprint too. Because they're, they're close. Like I think they can do it. Sometimes it's just the skis. Uh, so you see him on like the downhills. And Clabo just pulls away when they're when they're, everyone's gliding. It's like that's that's just all right. That's how you won this time, you know. And that's not to take away. Clabo has excellent downhill technique. He's got really good race strategy. He's sort of the Matt Strenchowitz of skiing, no doubt. Uh, but but still, sometimes I think he does win because of that, you know. So that there's my ski talk. Also, I wanted to ask uh, listeners out there, where's the snow this year? Like last year. Last year, I, I, in my training drill, I think I had already done 35 days of skiing, maybe more. I mean, I know by Thanksgiving, I'm saying. I, I started skiing October 11th, skied like three or four days, and then we the snow kind of went away for like a day or two, and then October 20th or 16th, ah, I can't remember. I think it was October 16th or 17th, somewhere in there, or October 22nd. It was somewhere in that five-day span. We had snow, and I was on snow from then until end of May. You know, like with almost no breaks at all. We had great grooming. By Thanksgiving, it was like mineral belt was was underneath, you know, six feet of base. I mean, it was just crazy. And right now, as I'm sitting here talking, we're getting snow falling. I got to go out and shovel the driveway. Um, but, I, yeah, it's kind of weird. Maybe this is just my first year in Leadville was, was more the anomaly, and this is a little more normal. Because, I mean, if you're skiing good by Thanksgiving, it's fine. Just It, it kind of had us panicked a little bit, I think. Like, Crested Butte was been following them, and they're, okay, I think uh, we're going to have our training camp as normal. Looks like there's snow in the forecast. Oh, nope, there's not. Oh, we'll go up to Lily Lake and groom that. You know, it's high up. We can get that done. And um, everyone seems kind of last minute opening. Breck Nordic opened a week ago, but it was like man-made snow on a loop, you know. So the, uh, people just kind of struggling, fighting. And, and and I don't know, is this a good or a bad thing with the COVID pandemic, right? Uh, some of these businesses, ski resorts, downhill too, you know, they lost a key month at the end of last season. Lots of layoffs, lots of uncertainty. Now opening maybe late. Is that going to benefit or hurt? Uh, I've heard through the, the, the news that some of these industries are saying there's going to be a huge boom in cross-country skiing this year because of covid and people are going to want to be outside so equipment retailers those guys are preparing for that in different ways i don't know if i totally buy that to be honest like maybe maybe there really will be this this is the only way we can get exercise and it will really hit but man cross-country skiing is also something where it requires such a knowledge it's not really something you just pick up and do first of all and then you also do need to have you know a facility that grooms around you it's it's not a super accessible sport. <clears throat> there's a there's a topic for a whole other podcast, right? So I don't know if I can say that, yeah, we're going to see this boom, but it does seem like the late snow, um, you could definitely make an argument that this was perfect because it's allowed us more time, get a vaccine, get people ready. Uh, or, or it could be bad because we basically lost a month of business out here in Colorado that we had last year. So I don't know, maybe maybe having someone on to talk about that. I, I've reached out to a couple of people in the Cross Country Ski Association to kind of give us an update on how things are going, but you can go onto their website and sort of read their meeting minutes too. So again, show prep, we didn't really do that. Maybe I should talk about that for next time. Uh, what I did want to bring up though was just training in general as you move forward. We can, we can kind of end our show on this topic. 
actually, you know what? I think I think we've gone far enough today, so we'll we'll save that for the the next episode. But uh, thank you for joining us here today, the Cedar Skier Podcast. I uh, hope you are having a wonderful Thanksgiving what break. Brings you? Well, competition. Yeah. You know.